everyone, Google rolled out a bunch of major innovations at Google I.O. They're trying to leapfrog ChatGPT, OpenAI, and we're going to break it all down for you today. What it means for your business, what it means for your search and marketing strategy. You're not going to want to miss a minute of this. I'm your host, Kip Bonner, CMO at HubSpot. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, the CMO at Zapier. We're going to get right into today's show. Before we get back to today's show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part at least, it brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. And a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep up on the pulse of accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to do more for your customers today. We are so excited to be talking with you today about what is happening in the world of AI because Kieran, Google. They have joined the AI party at last. They didn't just come out with like AI. I don't, did you see any of it? They came out with a really cool dancing duck. It stole the entire show. But I thought we could cut, Kip. We have a special guest to like introduce all of the announcements that Google did conference. Oh, okay. What do you have here? So we want to welcome uh, CEO of Google is going to go through all of these announcements, give you a quick description on just what happened this week at AI, Google AI, I.O. AI, Over to AI, you, Sundar. Generative AI, generative AI, generative AI, 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 Bravo, bravo. So, okay, for every founder that watches this show, well, the lesson is you do say those things, uh, this happens. Say AI over and over and over again, is that the lesson? And so, look at this. Whoa, Google stock price. Don't call it a comeback. Go Google. Immediately after that, he's going up the right direction because the more you say AI, (laughs) the more your stock goes up. So it's basically, in a nutshell, the entire concept. Basically, But in fairness to Google, they made some pretty big changes. They did. And we've said, you know, that OpenAI Microsoft has really has had a leadership position here, right? Because they were first and Google has been very conservative on what they've been doing. But Kieran, I found a great thread by Paul.ai. Paul.ai, this guy. Paul.ai, at its Paul.ai. He's got a great thread that breaks down the summary here of, he's got eight different things that Bard could do that ChatGPT and OpenAI cannot do. I think this is a really good illustration of what is changing in the AI landscape and maybe where some of the points of competition slash points where all of us can go and adopt AI technology. So the first thing, Bard can go ahead and search the internet, right? One of the things you and I complain about is the data lag on ChatGPT and that you have to have essentially alpha access to be able to browse the internet with ChatGPT, right? Yeah, but you can browse the internet with ChatGPT. It's, like it's very limited. Very, very it's limited. Somewhat right? more limited. Yeah, but I would say that is not a meaningful difference for long. I don't think that's going to be a meaningful difference for long. No, no. But what I would say to everybody watching is that access to real-time information 
is a very important part of the future of AI. And Google is stepping up in that area. Yeah. So the next thing that Bard rolled out this week and Google rolled out is that you can have voice input. So you can talk to Bard versus having to type. I like that. So I think that seems small now, Kieran, but I think if when you think about Google Home devices, Siri, Alexa, and a lot of the kind of V1 conversational AI that has existed, this is an important step in the future of how we're just going to access large language models, right? Right. So voice was meant to be hugely disruptive for search and all forms of just how we work with software. When we got Alexa and Siri and Google Home, I would actually say that what has happened over the past six months, and in particular what is happening with AI today, must just be so embarrassing for the PM who works on Siri. Like, what have you been doing? <laughs> oh my gosh, that has to be so embarrassing. Basically, what have you been doing the last 10 years? Like, uh, you're just looking at all this stuff happening. Siri still cannot actually tell me the well, weather It shows properly. that Apple just wasn't focused and invested in Siri, that it was a Not very kind of peripheral investment. Kieran, the third use case that Paul points out, I'm actually super interested in because... I think it's one of the ways Google's going to win. It's the integration with the AI responses into your normal workflow. So you could basically talk to Bard and then export it right to Gmail or Google Docs. This is straight from, we just did an episode covering the kind of Google Insider memo. And one of the points they had on there was we need to become the ecosystem. And so the way we do that is we integrate much easier with other applications and our own applications. I think that is a really cool thing, which is you can just do this thing and then integrate it into the G Suite. So I think that's pretty cool. I think that's one of the kind of points of differentiation or advantage like large companies have. Microsoft has done a really good job of that. They've integrated AI yes. throughout their entire product set very, very rapidly. If you are a big company, the integration is where you're going to win. This is my favorite feature of Bard right now, Kieran which is the summarize a web page. It is the thing I have most missed in chat GPT, where you just paste a link in and get a quick summary. So this is the funny thing. This is the AI content paradox. So this is what I, I do use Bing to do this. So this is why I thought Bing chat was really good because I would give it the yes. article and ask it to summarize the article. But this, I talked about this a little bit with you as like, where are we going here, right? Because you have AI. This is the depressing like, part of this, right? But I do think that is actually how we're going to consume content. Oh yeah. Because everything that's happened online is reducing things down into smaller bites. Like it's, you know, the popularity right. of short-form video. Like everything is just trying to reduce everything down into like small bites. You can consume much more. And now we have AI, again, that can actually take small amounts of input and create something for you. And then the other side, someone like you and me, because we're very like time poor, yeah. will ask AI to take something that is long form and reduce it back down into its core components. And so maybe we should just like write bullet points from now on. Well, so so this is my point. I think one of the future aspects of marketing and search is going to be very direct, very simple, clear language. Yeah, I agree. I think we've talked about that, right? It goes back to the old Mark Twain quote that I will butcher, which is, you know, I would have written a shorter book, but I didn't have the time. Exactly. Like the hardest thing to do is to write very clearly and very succinctly. And basically, it's so hard that we've created the most f***ing complicated machine in the world to summarize like our bad writing, right? <laughs> like we have these writing tools. Again, I've said on the podcast that they're helpful, but none of them actually are something I would like submit as a final version of anything, but they're good to help with like first drafts. Yeah. But if you can't write as a marketer today, that is problematic. If you can't write as a marketer Completely tomorrow, agree. get out of marketing. <laughs> like just <laughs> yeah, leave. Seriously, just stop. Because you're going to have to write really, really well. And now you have these tools that can help you get like first drafts. 
And I feel like everyone, your role should not be in the content team to actually think that you need to be a good writer. You need to be a good writer for any kind of discipline within marketing. And communication is a core part of this. And I think AI tools are here to help us clarify that. It's not just writing the Kieran. It is clear thinking. Clear thinking. And, and a very clear, definitive point of view. So if you look at the next example I've got up here, it's Bard provides multiple drafts. So like, you know, it gets giving you three different drafts of a response. But to know which draft to even pick, you have to know what you're looking for. What am I trying to communicate? What am I trying to say? Why am I doing this, right? Like you have to be very thoughtful and clear in your thought. And if that is not what you can do as a marketer, you're going to fail. Right. Like there's no question in me about that. In a world where there's just way more noise that is generated by AI and robots, you are going to need clarity of thought to actually break through or differentiate. Yeah, I was trying to look for this tweet from Paul Graham that I read last week, which is basically around the topic of writing. And so one of the things he said was, he's nervous that the people are going to outsource their writing to AI tools. I know. And what people are missing in that is writing, it's not like, writing gives you clarity of thought. That's why I've yes. always wrote, it's like, I actually need to write something out to understand it. Like if you tell me something, I can kind of understand it, but I need to actually then write it out in a kind of like very simplistic way. And then I actually like internalize it. And that's what I mean about the art of writing for marketers or for anyone. Like it's the clarity of thought you get from doing that exercise. First of all, we did a great episode with Dickie Bush on writing that you should go back and check out because I think it was really awesome. I'm going to make a bold prediction here that in a couple of years, we're going to look back and we're going to be like, wow, this AI revolution has been awesome. But we were freaking stupid to start with writing tools. Writing. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, writing is yeah. so, so important. And writing so and important. the thoughts that are the basis of writing are the inputs to any chat interface, any large language model, any of these things. And so the fact that we started with the writing use cases is bananas. It's outsourcing your thinking. We did, we did it because it was easy, not because it was the right place to right start. Right thing to do, yeah. That is what I'm telling everybody. We started with writing tools, not because it was the right place to start. It was because it was the easiest technology to get take to market. I think the writers are using AI tools for their writing. Like I've talked to some of them ad hoc of like, do you use these tools? They're like, no, like my writing is pointed. It's point of view. It has opinions. Like I, they're just not yes. as useful for me. In the future, they will be. You can, you can suck in a lot of that person's writing. We talked about this, but you have plug and play models. And so I can actually get all of my writing into a singular RSS feed and feed it to the model. And it can actually do a really good job of learning how I write. Even in that world, like let's say you can like replicate me 100% or maybe it actually is better than me. Like it can do me better. I want to outsource that stuff because I need the clarity of thought. Exactly. In a minute, we're going to talk a little bit about our takes on SEO and the implications of all these things for search engine optimization. And I think what you just said is like a good tease into what I think is going to matter in the SEO world. But a couple last things that I thought that our viewers should know is that one, you can upload a file to Bard and it's going to explain code really well, which I think is really good. I really love this, seeing searches related to your prompt, Kieran. So you put a prompt in and then it gives you search queries that you can then go directly to to like find information. So kind of right. the intersection of traditional search and prompting, which I think is pretty cool. The integration of Google's old business with its new business, I think is a smart strategy plan. And Google can plan your trips. ChatGPT can kind of plan your trips. I think this is a little bit of a, of a stretch on this last one. But I think some of these were really good and really differentiated, you know? And I think that really lays the groundwork for what we think is going to change in the future of search. And so 
Let's talk a little bit about that. I think one of the things I would argue is Google are still trying to hope can get away with integrating this stuff into the existing search experience because they kind of need to do that to try to save the current model. Today, there is a well-understood relationship. I give Google content, they scrape that content, they give me some traffic. Yes. And as soon as that relationship stops to be, I think we will see a huge change in how people actually produce content and publish content. I would never decide to write a blog post again if Google did not give me any traffic for that. I would just have newsletters. I would have social. I would have none of the things that Google actually need. You'd have other ways to distribute your ideas, right? And so here's like one of the screenshots from Bard. And so they do do things where they're actually showing you the content references within this pane. All this really is, right? They have content here. They have content here. All this really is, is a version of feature snippets, right? They have these box. They were trying to get the answer in the feature snippets. So you didn't have to leave the Google page. And what we saw repeatedly from any company that I've talked to is that the click-through rate for companies through organic search has gone down over time. I think this is going to continue to make those organic search click-through rates go down over time. But this is also, I don't think, the experience that people want, right? Like, I don't want to go here and have this featured snippet box and then click on one of these links and go into the chat. I'm just going to go straight to the chat, right? I'm doing that on Bing. I'm just going straight to the chat. The other thing that's like really interesting, now I'm sure that some of these things are going to end up as sponsored and this is like where AdWords is going to exist. But like you see, there's no like paid links here. Oh, yeah. This block of text huge distraction from anything else. I don't think you're going to click on the references. I think you're more likely going to click into the chat pane and never come back to search. Well, one of the things I would say, Kieran, is this is their first rev, right? That they're just putting out to some beta users in the US. I think the difference between what this page looks like and what the next iteration looks like is going to tell you everything. Once you start seeing how they're evolving it actually based on user behavior, I think you're going to be right. I think a lot of this stuff is going to change dramatically, right? Because it's just not the right user experience for what you actually are trying to learn and do, right? If it gets better for the user, if you think about this kind of chart, as user experience gets better, Google gets worse because not the experience that people want. What ChatGPT has taught us is people want to interact with something that feels like a human fast iteration through your questions. Yeah. What is this? <laughs> There's like a bunch of stuff, right? Like, I don't think this is going to cut it. Uh, I think future iterations are going to have for like the Bing experience where I can just like forget about this yeah. and go straight into the chat and do my chat. All right, I got some stuff I want to drop on you related to this. So a few of us, shout out Emmy and, and a few folks, you know, Kieran, we were going back and forth on the slacks around IO and kind of came to some consensus points of view that I want to test out on you. The first is that we're moving from topics to transactions. For example, like all the informational keywords, like what you just showed was an informational keyword. Those are going to get commoditized by Google. Nobody's going to click on that crap. Your traffic from informational keywords is going to go to zero long. Yes. And what I mean by that is in the world of inbound marketing, content marketing, what we said is like, oh, wow, it's really hard to get people to our products. So instead, we're going to create content on the periphery to attract people and then push a subset of those people to our products, right? And what I believe and what I think you believe is that over time, it's going to take a long time, but over time, AI is just going to own all of that kind of informational experience. And yes, you're going to get some awareness, some influence, and that brings me to my next question, but a lot of the kind of raw clicks that you get from those results are going to go away. Do you agree with that? I think informational search all gets abandoned and lives in chat. And so if you believe that informational search is getting upended, then 
you have to basically then figure out how do I expand the audience of my transactional search? And transactional are people coming with real product intent. And that is, going back to what we've talked in the past, a higher focus on brand marketing. It is a higher focus on product-led growth because product-led growth can give you these high-value little transaction points of your product that can go and catch people and bring people in through those really valuable use cases, whether it be through search or through other things. Those are the things that you're going to have to start investing in now so that as search gets disrupted, you are set up for success. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, and I think that the thing is some amount of pity for the marketers who are going to build their career in a post-search world because search was the <laughs> coolest way it was to awesome. build, build it was a business so because it is the most transactional thing you could do. Like you can scale it. Oh, it, was it was predictable. I, I loved those You were days. able to measure it. It converted into customers really nicely, like direct conversion. So you could tie it back to the you activity. You could measure it so well. I remember when you could measure every single keyword visit that you got. Do you remember that? The the days where you could like measure all of the keyword stuff was just like the greatest days of being a marketer. You were just like, I have a finely tuned machine of how this is going to work, right? You could just like, yeah, it was like science. Like you could like tweak the knobs and get it down to just this perfect model. But but that's the point that you're making, right? The science is going away and the art is coming back. It's indirect. Like marketing is going to move back to indirect. So what actually really happened was like marketing used to be a very indirect channel, but like used to drive a lot of momentum. But you always heard the kind of what does the marketing budget actually do for us? Because it's indirect. Mm -hmm. You can see correlation to revenue, but it was hard to like directly tie that. Then as the internet came about, you had these new channels that were amazing for marketers because now I can show you that I'm driving real revenue. I get to talk to the CEO and be in the same room as all the other financial drivers and team. And I think what's happening is those challenges are starting to diminish and there's going to be a real art in marketing again to do the brand stuff, to do all of the creative stuff. I think PLG, I agree that that is a measurable yes. So You can actually really try tie revenue through to activity, but marketing gets much more indirect. And then to go back to make the case of, you know, the brands is harder to track. You really, really does matter. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love, Nudge hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever notice how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love the show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. So if you're watching this and you're concerned, we all should be, this stuff's going to change. But I'm, I'm an optimist. I believe there's going to be a bunch of awesome opportunity in this transition, but it's going to be very different than the past has been, Kieran. I think that was the argument you just laid out for everybody. It's like, wow, there were some good old days. We're going to have new good old days. And I'm excited for those new good old days that they're going to look different. And what we are trying to give you is the blueprint of how they're going to look different. Nobody knows this, but you know, Kieran, you've not been around the block a little bit now. I think we have as good of a guess as anybody else is, is what I would say. And I think there are a few things that I would wrap up for folks in kind of thinking about this, that transactions are going to matter more than informational searches, PLG, word of mouth, is going to matter a ton. 
how you do brand is going to matter a ton. I think we're going to move away from focusing on awareness to focusing on influence. And how are you able to grow your category and capture demand within that category? I think one of the hardest things about AI search, Kieran, is that like in a legacy search world, if you played in a category, you got some share of that traffic, right? In an AI search world, you could play in a category, and if you're a small enough player, you get zero percent of that category, right? It's bananas. This is my point. I think what's going to happen is AI search is going to reduce the amount of answers you get because you're going to ask for something and it's going to give you three to five things and you're never going to see the other stuff because you're going to trust the AI more than you even trust the search engine. And so you have to get super crisp all the way back to communication super crisp on your brand messaging because you can be synonymous with something. And that is the way I think you're going to be able to get put AI chat responses. The best way to think about this, the way I would frame this up, Kieran, for everybody watching is what used to happen is when a buyer was doing research in the consideration phase. So what does this category of product do? How does it work? Who are the players? All of that. 30 years ago, they would go and talk to sales reps and they talked to a bunch of sales reps and they gathered information. And then 15 years ago, they would start searching on Google and they would interact with your website to get that information and they would go to you for research. Today and in the future, they're going to do research with robots, right? The research is moving off of your website into robots. And if the research is moving there, then your website has to become a conversion machine, first and foremost. It has to be great at pulling people in at points of conversion. It has to be great at delivering customer proof and validation. So it's like, hey, all right, I talked with this robot, but I want to make sure what this robot said is really true. And so now I'm going to go to this website and say, are there customers like me? How is this all working? And that's a little bit of a gray area for a lot of companies right now. A lot of companies have focused a lot on product marketing, but not enough on like customer storytelling, customer centric, case studies, value proposition, customer references, all of those things. And I think that is going to be far, far more important. And as well as Word of mouth. Do you have a community of people who love your product, high NPS that are going to go and validate the robot's recommendation or contradict the robot and say, hey, you haven't considered this thing that we love. The robot's giving you the wrong answer, right? That is a big change of how just right. humans are going to buy in the world. Right. I agree. I, I think that so PLG gets you a community of free users who can actually see the value of that thing. And you're not as dependent upon some of these marketing channels. If you can get a real community, like building a real community around your brand and not be disrupted by AI because you actually have real humans solving each other's problems. And I still think that's going to matter more in an AI world. I think people yeah. will gravitate toward these and want to interact with other people. So I think there's still things that are going to be real accelerants for business, but it is a shift and a change in terms of what grows a business in the future. Okay. Well, I have one thing I want to talk to you about the community thing, right. Karen, because I think it's very important for everybody to see. So Similar Web, awesome company. They have great data about companies and kind of company level data. They published a breakdown of Stack Overflow and Stack Overflow, which is a community for developers, their traffic was down 14% in March. And Kieran, what do you and I know about traffic? March is normally a very good month for traffic, right? Right. Good month. It's it's early in the year. It's a long month. March is normally a very good traffic month. So to be down 14% in March is meaningful. It's a big number. They were down year and year each and every month before that. Every month since ChatGPT has been really scaling and growing. 
And we called this months ago in the podcast. We said- You called it. I'm showing this page so that Kieran can take a victory lap, right? Now. Just listen to me, people. <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> no, you called this months ago. What did I say? I said Bing was coming back from the dead and I said Stack Overflow was going to die. This is the Q&A sites. People are not going to go to these. Can you break down for people what community is going to be important in an AI world and what community isn't? Because- When you just say community at a high level, you think of things like Stack Overflow and you're like, wow, they're down 14%. Maybe Kieran is totally wrong about this community thing. Like, what do you actually mean? I think I would separate these two things into a community where you go to get a question. So like support forums. Really what Stack Overflow is, is like a huge support forum for developers. And it's an amazing product. And if you were a developer, the little bit that I try to code over the years, I would go to Stack Overflow and try to get my question answered or look at Mm -hmm. the repository of questions and see historical questions that were answered that were the the thing that I was trying to do. And so it's an incredible place for questions and answers, like a Quora for developers. Yeah. But it is not a place, I think, where you go form human interactions like a Reddit, right? So you have like the Reddit where you're going to actually feel part of a community. You have knowledge sharing, but you actually feel like part of a community. You're interacting. You have an identity on there. It's part of like who you are. And I think Stack Overflow, maybe is that for developers? Maybe developers can get really mad and come at us on YouTube and say, no, that's how I feel about Stack Overflow. But it's a question and answer side fundamentally. And what are we saying about AI in a, even in relation to search? It's a better way to get those questions answered. And you don't have to yes. go through all of the process of like, put in my question here or wait until someone comes back, get the best question. You're like, no, like just tell me what it is AI and I'll iterate it through you really, really quickly. And I get my answer much, much faster. I think all of those sites where it's like a transactional Q&A site, even if they're community driven, and there's a lot of those in developers and health and all of these kind of like handyman and women sites where you try to get tasks done in your house, all of these sites are going to be under huge pressure from AI. I don't see how AI isn't a better experience because what is the one thing that you don't think you value the human connection yes. in this site as much as you do on the community site like Reddit? Correct. And you can look at these communities and you can say, how much of that is the human interaction versus just a transactional nature of what I get? It's, it's human connection, point of view, opinion. Yes, exactly. Those communities are going to be durable. The ones that are kind of informational, just like the search queries, right? It's all connected. If something's purely informational, exactly. it's going away. I think AI is a potential accelerant I agree. for communities like Reddit because people would gravitate towards want more human interaction. And so if you are watching this show and you're like, what should I do differently in my business? I want to talk to you, Kieran, about one of my new AI first principles. One of my AI first principles is anything, any business or any part of the business I am working on that has a dependence on repetitive informational human work is going to go away. Agreed. That is my first principle. And so you should look at your business and say, whether it be your marketing, your sales motion, your customer support experience, whatever that may be, and say, oh, I am heavily reliant on repetitive human informational work to do that. Humans as gatekeepers, humans as access, humans doing the same thing over and over again. AI is going to do that work. And I need to go ahead and disrupt myself before AI disrupts that. That is the way. Go do that. Well, yeah. Disrupt yourself before the robots come get you. Because this is going to take a little bit of time. It is. Yes, everything's moving crazy fast. And Kieran and I get all hyped up week to week. But it's going to take time for this to happen. And the companies that get ahead of it are going to have a huge advantage and outgrow everyone else. And so I think that's our kind of core advice to all of you. Get the robots before the robots get you. Exactly. That is the TLDR in this show. <laughs> all right. So to close out, I want to get your, your honest take. I thought the stakes for Google at Google I.O. were a 10 out of 10. They were very, very high. How would you grade Google's performance? You know, do you think they were an 8 out of 10 delivering, a 6 out of 10? Like, where were they in the delivering 
what they need to deliver for AI at Google I.O. This is how I break it down. Dancing Duck, awesome. Awesome. DJ using their language model, cool. Sundar saying AI 50 times throughout the speech, pretty good. And actually the features they released are really good. What I would say is the most important thing to take away on the side-by-side is we live in a world today where all of those features that Google showed are easy other people to copy. Yes. And that is the problematic thing. And that is the thing Google has not experienced for a long, long time. So I maybe like a seven, uh, maybe even an eight. Yeah, you're giving them a seven and a half is what I figured you're giving them. They delivered seven and a half out of 10. But boy, I'm a trillion dollar company and everything I'm releasing now can be copycatted pretty rapidly. I am like in the social media world now where I have like all of the companies can copy each other's features very, very rapidly. It happened at Google and that is a new experience for them. The competitive advantage for Google is going away. And for Google to get a 10 out of 10 on AI and the features they're delivering AI, they have to really differentiate. And I think they have some seeds of differentiation with some of the smaller models they're rolling out and some of the kind of like more technical stuff that we didn't get into on today's show. They might get there. You know, that's not saying that they can't get there. They might. But in this particular rollout, they kind of needed to get to table stakes. They did a few things to kind of get ahead of table stakes. But your point is that like everybody can catch up to those things pretty quickly, right? Pretty quickly. I think ChatGPT will have most of those features very, very rapidly. And again, the weird thing that's happening is uh, ChatGPT released things and then Bing, who's their investor, released all these things. And so you have yeah. this like trifecta of in their own, the same features. And this is what happened in social. Now in social meta, still is the monopoly there. And so Google could still very much keep its market share and be the monopoly there. I think it's less clear if that is going to be true or not. It's less obvious. The next six months are going to be very big for everybody. All the major AI players, Google, OpenAI, Microsoft, Meta, Amazon, Apple, like all those big companies, next six months are going to be amazing because one of the other things, AI has to come to everybody's devices. Apple has a big opportunity there. We haven't talked about them yet, but they're going to have a big opportunity. One thing we know for sure is that search is changing. And we talked a little bit about that. If you are fully reliant on informational types of search queries, you need to diversify your search and your marketing strategy. That is our big takeaway for you on today's show. It's been awesome. Leave us a comment on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. We appreciate you sticking around. And we will be back with you real soon on Marketing Against the Grain.